today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. Guys, the demons believe in God, but they are not doing the good works of God. The difference between a Christian and a demon is what? A demon stops at the belief of God. A Christian, one who follows Christ, who is a disciple, who follows Jesus, a Christian believes in God and continues in the good works of God. So, what does that bring us to? Well, don't stop at the belief of God. The Lord called Gideon to be bold and cut down idols in his own household to cleanse the country of Israel. As Gideon obeyed, he grew stronger and became the man of God the Lord promised he would be. Pastor Eric teaches us today that just as in Gideon's life, our faith needs to be more than mere words. Let's join Pastor Eric in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verse 25, for today's study. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with wood, with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. So here we see Gideon carrying out his faith because Gideon understood that God had called them to deliver Israel from the hand of the Midianites. That very night that God had that, that conversation with him, that day, then the evening came, the Lord spoke to Gideon once again. And he told Gideon, he tells Gideon five things to do. Check these things out. Number one, God tells Gideon, take your father's young bull. Then he says, tear down the altar to Baal. Oh, by the way, which is your father's. You're going to tear down his altar to this false god. You're going to tear it down. And then you are going to cut the women, uh, wooden images that are beside this altar. You're going to cut those down. It gets better. And then, if that's not enough, I'm going to have you build an altar to me on that very spot. Okay? And then after you build this altar on that very spot, then I want you to take that bull and offer a burnt sacrifice to me. You got that, Gideon? I I could understand why he was afraid. Because this is a big deal. Because Israel, the problem that, was, uh, that they were having of not obeying God, obviously we see it here in the text, is what? They were worshiping false gods. That's how they were not obeying the voice of God. Here, specifically, God says they are practicing false worship. And so being delivered from the Midianites, you know what? That wasn't the main priority. The main priority for God right now was to do what? Hey, let's get rid of this false worship first, guys. Before we do anything else, we need a cleanse. We need a little cleaning going on in the house of Israel. Because what's going on is not 
honoring to me, the Lord. And, and so uh, he asked Gideon to do these things. They needed to worship God and not a false God. And so God told Gideon what needed to be done. But I'm sure I would think if I was Gideon, I would have some questions, wouldn't you? Here's a list that God had given him. Five things to do. Okay, I got the five things. Okay, Gideon's got to be asking himself, prior to the, the, the you know, previously conversation with the Lord, he, you know, he, he, he did tell the Lord, if God was here, we wouldn't be going through this, you know? And here God is telling him to do all this stuff. I would think if I was Gideon, I'd be like, do I truly trust in the Lord? Because what is, what is he asking me to do here? To cut down my father's altars? And to tear down the wooden images? And we'll see here how important that was to the people in the land. Then my next question would be, is God my main priority? Because if God is not my main priority, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do what is right in my own eyes, what I want to do. And then the question is to myself, I would think, is am I willing to do whatever God asks me to do? And Gideon had to answer Is my heart where my mouth is? Is my heart where my mouth is? Because if you remember last week, at the end of his conversation with the Lord, he was giving worship to God. He was praising God. He praised God. Is my heart where my mouth is? Because I am just offering out praise and worship to the Lord God. And now he's asking me to do this work for him. Is my heart where my mouth is? And Gideon's faith, you guys, was more than words. His faith was more than words. It was lived out in action. So how about you and I today? Is our faith lived out in action? Is our faith in Jesus Christ lived out in action? Is your heart where your mouth is at? Something to really think about. I mean, because we were just singing songs of praise to God. And we, we can say, Lord bless you. Yes, Jesus is the way. But is our hearts matching what our mouths are saying? Or is it just lip service? Are you putting those words into action? Guys, James, Jesus' brother, said this in his letter to believers, addressing Jewish believers, he said this. He, uh, before he said this, I'll tell you. He was talking to the believers that were Jews, right? And they received the gospel, faith in Jesus Christ. But the letter to the, the Jewish Christian in James was that they, they said, you know what, we believe in faith, so they're used to doing what? The works of the law. So they don't have to do the works of the law no more because they're saved by faith. They took faith to an extreme, saying, we believe, we don't have to do anything else. Okay. So James sends a a letter to correct them, and he says to them, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. James 2.19. So then my question then is, is what is what is the difference between a Christian and a demon? Because right here in God's word, it tells us a demon believes that there is one true God, right? There's one living God. Okay? Now, there's a saying that David Guzik said. He's a pastor at Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, and he said, Faith alone saves, 
But the faith that saves is not alone. It has good works with it. Guys, the demons believe in God, but they are not doing the good works of God. The difference between a Christian and a demon is what? A demon stops at the belief of God. A Christian, one who follows Christ, who is a disciple, who follows Jesus, a Christian believes in God and continues in the good works of God. So, what does that bring us to? Well, don't stop at the belief of God. Don't stop at the belief of God. Yes, you're saved by faith and not of your works. It is a gift of God, right? But with God comes good works. God is going to be doing the good works in and through you, okay? We're not talking about your salvation, but you're going to continue on to believe and continue in the good works of God. In fact, Paul said to the church in Ephesus, he said in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, Gideon's good work that God prepared for him was what? To tear down the altar of Baal and to build an altar of sacrifice to the Lord, to restore worship in the land of Israel. That was God's work for Gideon, prepared before times that Gideon would walk in that good work to restore the worship. That's pretty awesome to think about, really, you know, I'm pretty blown away by, by God <laughs> preparing the good works for us to walk in. That's pretty sweet. So then my question is, is what is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to do? You personally, what is God asking you to do? Because again, God has prepared a good work for you to walk in. That should encourage you. Those who say, I can't be used by God, that's a lie. Because here in the Bible, as I read it, God has prepared a good work for you to walk in. That's awesome. That God has prepared a good work for us to walk in. Then the question is, is then, will you walk in it? Will you walk in it? Will you take the step of faith and do it? Because here Gideon, he's got five things he needs to do. He needs to forsake his own father to do what God had prepared him to do. Wow. And he did it, right? He did it. Well, what's the results of this? The results of him taking this step of faith come in verses 28 through 35. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, there was the altar of Baal, torn down. And the wooden image that was beside it was cut down. And the second bowl was being offered on the altar which had been built. Imagine their faces, you guys. Verse 29. So they said to one another, who has done this thing? And when they had inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. 
Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son, that he may die, because he has torn down the altar of Baal, and because he has cut down the wooden image that was beside it. Verse 31, But Joash said to all who stood against him, Would you plea for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who plead for him be put to death by mourning, if he is a god. Let him plead for himself, because his altar has been torn down. Verse 32, Therefore on that day he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he has torn down his altar. Then all the Midianites and the Malachites and the people of the east gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, Then he blew the trumpet, and the Aborazites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. So here we see the result, really in verses 28 through 32. 28 through 32, here's the scene. The morning comes, Gideon is out there at night with his 10 buddies, his servants, and they cut down this altar, right? They're kicking the thing over, whatever they're doing, and they're taking their axes and breaking the the wooden images alongside of it. They're taking this thing out. Then they build up the altar for the Lord, and they cut the bull, kill him, and sacrifice him to the Lord, okay? Okay. So that's going on. And so then they go away, and then morning comes, early it says, and and the guys wake up, and they come out, and they're looking at the altar. Hey, wait a minute. Who took down the altar of Baal? We're angry about this, you know? We're mad, you know? It's just, I can't get mad over that, but uh, what I'm like, woohoo, you know? You lost, you know, but... Anyways, they're out there, they're mad. They're so mad, they're going around to one another. They're saying, who's done this? Who did this work? Who tore down this altar? You know, and then there was a snitch in the group because they snitched out Gideon, right? Because somebody says, hey, it was Gideon, (laughs) you know? Gideon did it. The son of Joash has done this thing. So then the men of the city uh, came to Joash, and you guys remember who Joash is, right? It is Gideon's father, the dude that was in charge of this whole altar thing. And he said, bring out your son. Bring him out because he has demolished this altar. Bring him out because he needs to die. Now, these guys were angry if they're at the point of killing Gideon. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, they're ready to kill the guy. They're ready to kill him and take him out. He's done. Bring him out so we can kill him. Bring him out that he may die. And so then Joash responds and he says to them what? Would you plead for Baal? Verse 31. Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by mourning. If he is a god, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. I I truly believe Joash was not an idiot, okay? He was saying to the people, if this is truly a God, this God will defend himself. He will defend him. What are you guys going to do? Why are you overstepping our God that we're worshiping? How dare you? You should be put to death. Because he is a God that we worship. 
He's going to defend himself. Maybe in a sense, he was still sticking up for his kid, but yet he was putting it back on them saying, hey, if Baal is a true God, he will defend himself. How dare you try to overstep Baal? So then, (laughs) you know, you see what happens. Well, we don't see what happens because it doesn't say if Baal came after Gideon or not. Well, I can tell you that Baal didn't come after Gideon because Baal is not real. He's a false god, little G. Guys, Joash brings up a good point, though, that if any god is a true god, then he will defend himself. And guess what? God, the living God, the Lord your God, I am, defends himself. God says in Deuteronomy, vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and these things to come hasten upon them. But this saying was stated in the New Testament, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. So our God, the God that you worship, if you worship the one true living God, he defends himself. Not Baal. Baal didn't do nothing. He didn't do anything because he's nothing. He was nothing. Guys, the people waited for Baal to take action against Gideon, and nothing happened again because he was a phony. Baal was a phony, but God is not a phony. He is the one true God. And so here we see Gideon's work that he did for the Lord was what? Number one, it was dangerous, wasn't it? He was so afraid he did it by night. And, and, and by day, the people were ready to kill him. But he continued and he did the work that God had prepared for him. He walked through it and he did it. He was faithful in taking that step of faith. I mean, they wanted to kill him. But God was with Gideon just as he promised Gideon, didn't he? He says, hey, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of what? Valor. The Lord is with him. And sure enough, the Lord was with him, and Gideon carried out the work. And I would say this, and I've experienced it by going into Honduras my first time. I was, I was afraid. I was, I was afraid. Not as afraid as my mom was. She was really afraid. But there's that saying, and I'm sure you guys have heard it, there's no safer place to be but to be in the will of God. And so if God is calling you to do a work, you're safe. You're safe. You're okay. Because God is what? With you. He is with you. And so no matter what it is, no matter how dangerous it is, remember that God is with you. He is with you. In fact, Psalm 56.4, this is awesome. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? So whatever God has asked you to do, you must not fear because what can flesh do to you? Well, the answer is nothing. The answer is nothing. And Paul said this to the believers in Rome. He said this, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present or things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what is Paul saying? There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's right. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Now, (laughs) fear sets in, and sometimes it's hard to remember that. But that's why we continue to to hear it from God's word. We hear it from him, and we've got to believe him. We've got to believe. If we believe, you know, God will continue to show us and reveal himself to us. Now, I'm taking a class personally, okay? Uh, It's called apologetic evangelism, okay? Apologetic evangelism. Apologetic means what? To defend the faith, right? Uh, And my teacher uh, gave out this crazy stat. Are you guys ready for the stat? It's crazy. Like, I had to, like, rewind it, like, what? Okay, the stat is is just 2% of Christians share their faith. 2% of Christians share their faith. So that means that, as I'm doing the math, and I'm not a math major, 98% of Christians are afraid to share. Why? Well, some people are afraid because they're afraid of the questions going to be asked back to them, that they don't have the answers to give. But there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, I don't know the answer, can I get back with you? There's nothing wrong with that, to say, hey, I really don't know. Instead, I know in my personal life, there's been times where I'm like, um, um, um. (laughs) I would suggest it'd be better just to say, hey, I need to look that up versus saying something that's not true. That's one of the reasons why people could be not sharing the faith is because they're afraid of the questions being asked back to them. Another reason Christians do not want to share is because they do not want to face embarrassment. Ever been there? oh man, this is going to be really weird to go up to this person because, uh, man, look at this guy. I mean, he's like, he's like six foot six. He's buff. He's got tattoos and he's got piercings and not that anything's wrong with that, okay? But that's a little intimidating. But you know what? If Jesus is putting on your heart to share the gospel with him, don't be embarrassed. You have the power of God, <laughs> Jesus said this, though, which really kind of like opens my eyes whenever I feel uh, embarrassed. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with holy angels. Let us have a heart like Paul, you guys, who said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel. Another reason why Christians do not want to share is because they're antisocial. I don't want to go out. I'd rather sit in my hole, come to church, and then go home. But Paul tells believers, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. That verse doesn't go with that point. Let me read what that one does, though, with antisocial, right? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and and glorify your Father in heaven. 
There's much more Pastor Eric would like to share with you, but we've run out of time for today. This has been another edition of Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Judges next time. You can order today's message for free by emailing us at info at gracetothehearers.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. You can learn more about Grace to the Hearers, Calvary Chapel Coolidge, and Pastor Eric at our website, gracetothehearers.com. All of Pastor Eric's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at gracetothehearers.com. Though God doesn't need our money, He most certainly uses our stewardship and faithfulness to accomplish His will. Would you consider giving towards the ongoing expenses of bringing you Grace to the Hearers on this station? If so, a secure option to give a gift of any amount is available by clicking the Donate button at gracetothehearers.com. That's gracetothehearers.com. Again, to make a secure donation, log on to gracetothehearers.com. From all of the production team here at Grace to the Hearers, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Grace to the Hearers. Thank you.